Fans of the Genre 12 for January 23rd, 2017. I'm Brian Swanson. I'm Mikey Krieger. And I'm gone. Uh, as you can tell, Rose isn't here with us today. Uh, and because of that, we've dubbed this the Anti-Rose Power Hour. The king is dead. He's so dead. Um, yeah, Rose is out uh, in Washington, D.C. with his partner um, and partner's sister. And they marched uh, for the Women's March on the 21st of January. Um, and are just still over there during their travels. So we're really happy that they're there. Um, but we're also going to make fun of Rhodes. Yeah. We're going to make fun of you too. Uh, you, more like you poo. Yeah. Which they do. Yeah. If you, if you watch South Park and you like that South Park humor. I know, you know that, that Bono's a big dude. <laughs> um, Rhodes is also all about his coffee aesthetic. Yeah, the, or the NPR aesthetic. The NPR aesthetic? Can we more? Yeah, yeah just, just with his sweater vest, his glasses, his hair. <laughs> um, he's a very suave guy, and he always yeah. has like five or six different ways of making a cup of coffee. It's it's very Rhodes. Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's a very uh, Seattleite of him. One thing that I, that I um, when I think about Rhodes, just sort of really gets me is... Uh, his repressed love for Doritos and Taco Bell. Yeah. I just, I just feel like there was a time, there was a time when Rhodes and I would hang out um, <laughs> and eat a lot of, or talk a lot about Taco Bell and eat a lot of Doritos. And yeah. know, these, these days we just don't do a lot of that. And he got, he got, got engaged and then he got cucked. Yeah. And out he's of his Doritos and Taco Bell love. Corporate now. He's all so about corporate. organic, right? Yeah. No, he's got his, uh, his nice little Redmond apartment. Living over there with all the, the techos. Cute cat. Cute cat. Cute apartment. Yeah. He's got his Beyonce. He's got his Beyonce, and uh, he's got his content. Um, yeah. Even though, even though Rhodes is the biggest anti-content person I know, let's be real. Yeah. Rhodes but, is all about the content. Yeah. Um. He has his glasses. <laughs> his glasses. Warby Parker's. Yeah. His Warby's are really cool. Um, I feel like he's a big cider guy. He, yeah. yeah, yeah, he's he's a big cider guy. What whatever happened to beer? Yeah, are you, are you so un-American that you can't enjoy a nice tasty bev? When I first met him, he was a dog guy, and you know what? Now he's got a cat. Since when did Rhodes become a cat person? He changed, man. He changed. Fucking, he just goes off, goes to to Western, comes back, and gets a big boy job. With a really cool girlfriend, fiance. Fiance. Now he's got a cat. He's got all his coffees. Still likes the red hot chili peppers. God, he he really does. Not the food. Not the food. He might. I think he likes spicy food. Yeah, when we went and got Thai food, he got, I think he got pretty spicy. Or no, no, no. I remember you and I got really spicy, and he got like mild. And I was like, "Come on, Rhodes." We're the spicy boys. Yeah, that, just- that's right. He likes mild, pretending pretending to be spicy music. 
Yeah, we should change the name of the podcast to Rhodes Clark and the Spicy Boys. Rhodes Clark and the Spicy Boys. Um, political correctness. I I think correctness yeah. was written with three separate types of quotation marks. Yeah, and I think that like what we're getting at here is he kind of just always knows what to say. Yeah, and it's just correct. And I wanted to. Yeah, yeah. glasses. We already said glasses. He, he's very socially conscious. He's woke. <laughs> I okay. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna be completely honest. As we go through this list, it just makes me realize how much I like Rhodes. Yeah, no, Rhodes is all right. I got. I'm trying. Like, I sincerely thought of uh, a bunch of ways that I could try to be mean, and I'm like, no, can't be no, mean we, about Rhodes. But I think that uh, as each each of us uh, is unavailable to record, we will definitely have a uh, a segment dedicated to, to making fun of them. So, okay, I'm, I'm glad that I I got my. Uh, missed episode out of the way early then before this. I'm I'm glad everyone. Yes, <laughs> damn it. Um, yeah, I'm glad to be everyone. Fair, was... if, if Kevin weren't here that episode, then it probably would have been more. The Mikey P- putting me on the spot, putting Mikey. me on blast. Mikey on blast. Mikey roast. Yeah. Um. So I've actually like kind of gotten into the roast battle thing. That uh, it's like uh, kind of like what a rap battle would be, but it's two comedians, like, doing, like, roast jokes, like, just making fun of the other person. Yeah. And they're really funny. Okay, okay. Like, what, what's a good example of, like, two comedians? Um, so, I'm trying to think, I think Mike Lawrence and uh, Ralphie May went up against each other in one of them. Like, they they kind of go out of their way to try to get, like, uh, like, smaller comedians. Like, they have a, a few token, um, like big comedians that they throw in there, like Ralphie May was in there, Jimmy Carr from the UK, he's pretty popular. Okay. Um, and like the the real celebrities in it are who are the judges. Like Sarah Silverman judges a lot. Um, Jeff Ross is throwing a whole thing together. Um, like Jimmy Kimmel was one of the judges. Uh, Seth oh, wow. Rogen. Cool. Yeah, and it's it's really funny. Like uh, I listened to uh, the Bill Simmons podcast and he had Jeff Ross on because they've been friends forever and. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like, and like, I was actually kind of expecting to hate it just because Jeff Ross's comedic style and uh, just kind of general abrasiveness. Like, it's got a time and place, and I was kind of not in that like headspace to enjoy it. But uh, yeah, but I listened to that episode, and it's actually just kind of him like just talking as like Jeff Ross the person and not Jeff Ross the roast comedian. Mm-hmm. And like, they got really inside baseball and comedy, which is something that I always really love. Oh, maybe um, too. Yeah. And so they kind of just got into like the nature of like roast comedy and, um, yeah, it's, it's actually just like really entertaining. And, uh, at a certain point, Bill Simmons is like, this has actually been really tame. I was expecting it to be a lot worse with you. And he's like, Oh, like, do you, do you want me to take it there? And then he kind of does take it there for a minute, like right at the end. Um, it's like, Oh, okay. Like that's what I was expecting. But once, He's like kind of approaches it like, okay, I'm gonna turn this on now. Yeah, is really interesting, but um, yeah, we should roast Reds. We we should. I mean, th- that that was the warm up. The roast will come yeah. later. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll get all of his loved ones and we'll just break it down. As like an psychologically, aside, I really love when like anyone talking about industries just goes super inside baseball. Yeah, no, like especially comedy because I feel like comedy just people take for granted as like, oh no, you're just you're funny or you're not, and then. Like, the jokes just come to you, and it's like, no, it's a really, like, it's not not even, like, it's as much of a, like, home skill as it is, like, a natural talent. Yeah. 
There was this really good podcast I listened to before it ended called Terrified, and it was a podcast about uh, this comedian Dave Ross, and he would just interview people and ask them why they're what they're terrified about. Mm-hmm. Go into a lot about mental health and things like that. But yeah, um, since he was kind of a low like, um, or he was like a just a comedian, but like a very like le- less like less known comedian, he would oftentimes interview a lot of other. Um, not very well-known comedians in the LA area. And so you get a lot of that inside baseball. Um, sometimes he'd interview bands and, and other folks. So it was really cool. Yeah. Uh, but they've taken a hiatus now. I highly recommend anyone check it out. Um, if anyone's listening, it's called Terrified. Yeah, no, that that sounds cool. I, I Yeah, I used to listen to the uh, Nerdist podcast a lot. And it's, yeah. and like, they'd get into that a lot. Anytime they'd bring on, like, stand-up comedians on. And mm-hmm. that was always really entertaining. And, uh yeah, the I think we talked about it like Don't Think Twice, the Mike Birbiglia movie about like the improv troupe where one of the guys goes on to like the SNL thing. Yeah. Um there's a lot of like kind of not necessarily like inside baseball to like how comedy works, but like the dynamics of like a comedy troupe and just like people in a space that's like really competitive and really hard to break through. Mm-hmm. Um but like that that was a pretty good one, but uh yeah, like Rhodes is reading the SNL book, which I actually really want to listen to. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I just love the, like the inside workings of, like, in like the game industry is actually really interesting too. But comedy is one that's always been, uh, something that's like drawn my attention and piqued my interest a lot. I didn't realize you were super into comedy. That's cool. Yeah, like I, for whatever reason, I have a hard time sitting down and like watching comedy specials as like a primary form of entertainment. Like it's like I, I, with like standup comedy specials, I really need to be in like the mental state to watch it for whatever reason. I think it's because I enjoy things largely pretty passively Mm -hmm. and standup comedy is one that's hard to do that way. Even though like I actually did like two nights ago, go on a binge of, uh, like I let my YouTube autoplay and it just played, uh, a bunch of like full standup, uh, comedy sets. Oh, cool. Yeah, like it, like Jimmy Carr's like brand new special came up, and um, I forget came up after him, and then I turned it off like halfway through a. Uh, who's the Australian comedian? I don't know. The he did, did like legit that like FX series and. Um, the Dennis Larry? No, 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 it's not Dennis Larry. Um, he did have an FX series though. Yeah, legit TV series. Um, um, I used Jim, to be Jim Jeffries. Okay. Yeah, I got like halfway through a set and it was it's pretty funny. We just got to the point of, like, okay, I need to <laughs> like Be productive. Yeah. Get up. Um, yeah, I used to listen to um, a lot of comedy, and by a lot of comedy, I realize it's probably pretty shallow at, at this point. But um, back in like oh four oh five. Yeah, uh, to to the extent that you really could like do a deep dive into comedy. Right, so like buying CDs and listening to the CDs, and so you know, like I think everybody was obsessed with Dean Cook at the time, or <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I I definitely had a really fleeting like love of Dean Cook when I was you know, under yeah. like twelve. Yeah, exactly. I was like twelve, and then there was also like Dennis Leary and a couple other folks, mm. um, and that was fun. Um, yeah. I think I sort of stepped away a little bit. Still, still really enjoy um, being like influenced by the comedy scene, but not very uh, actively yeah. following anymore. 
Uh, should we jump into topics? Yeah, let's do that. So something that I sort of wanted to bring up was um, uh, with the, the Nintendo Switch um, announcement and some of the games that we've seen with it, um, some of the few games that are coming out now, but um, games that are are presumptively coming out this year. Um, it feels like when, when I watch a press conference that's primarily Japanese and maybe primarily Nintendo, um, either Nintendo or these Japanese producers seem to hold their developers to, uh, a lot more closely than you would see American developers do it. And what I mean by that is that it seems as though, you know, we'll get EA showing us footage of this Star Wars game that apparently is just nowhere near being ready or, or being done. Um, the one that's directed by Amy Hennig. Um, they showed, I think, a clip of it at E3 this past year, or maybe the year before. Yeah. The guy back, the guy's back walking out of a cantina or something. Um, and we slowly, we slowly get fed news about it like throughout time, but it's like this game is like in the back of our minds. It's, it's here and now. Um, whereas with a lot of Japanese developers, it's almost as though like they'll just come out on stage three months or six months before their game is released mm-hmm. and just show a gameplay video and yeah. surprise everyone. And it, it seems as though like Japanese developers are a little more quiet and be a little more conservative about what news they want to get out. Um, what do you think, Mikey? Yeah, like I, I definitely feel like Nintendo does that a lot. Um, I think because they've had a like handful of like really prominent delays like twilight princess and skyward sword both took like an extra year and a half two years to come out from oh yeah their like original like release window um so i feel like nintendo does that kind of intentionally um because mm-hmm. i think they probably have like a lot of internal delays where like things aren't just up to their standards so if they release it super early like like the initial window of when they like start a project i'm sure is completely different than what it actually ends up being most of the time. Right. Just because there's like such sticklers about quality. Um, mm-hmm. And like that, that's been their strength for the past few years while like they might not have had like third party support. Their first party games are always at, at the very least, like very well made. Like, you know, Star Fox zero wasn't a great game, like mainly because of the, the mechanics that they tried introducing, but it's still a very well polished game that works and runs as you expect it to. Sure. Um, yeah, and I, I think I'd rather have that than like this. What feels like a very slow drudge towards Mass Effect Andromeda, where it's okay. like they, they tease things out forever. And and this is also me like just not being as hyped on Mass Effect as everyone else is right now. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like they just like kind of tease little things like super super early, and it's like we knew it was coming. Like, like I remember whatever like the next Mass Effect game is, is like like underworks. It's like yeah, of course it is. Like, right. Like, Bioware's not gonna just drop that franchise, so, like, whenever, like, it was announced, like, oh, yeah, they're working on this, it's like, okay, like, that's obvious, like, mm-hmm. like n- now that we have evidence, like, cool, like, I understand, like, we gotta say that, but, yeah, I, I, I think sometimes I would rather have this, like, kind of, like, oh, yeah, this is coming out in six months, because, like, Watch Dogs got delayed, the Division got delayed, mm-hmm. and, um, and, like, yeah, we had a subject where we were talking about how to deal with delays, and, with Nintendo, a lot of the times, like, that isn't as much of a problem because, like, they do kind of, like, when they're, like, the game is, like, nearly ready, so when they show it to you. Um, like, Mario is announced, you think that's going to come out in November, like, you know, ten months ahead? And, yeah. like, it's, like, Mario's not going to miss that window. Like, I'm sure that Mario game is almost ready to go. And at I'll, this bet, point. I'll bet you in 
this is partially because everybody know like pretty much knows what like a Mario game would look like, but I bet you we just get like one or two more trailers for that game and really like that's all we need. Like they probably I could almost imagine they don't even explain that hat mechanic that was going through it. Or like Mario and Bowser were throwing their hats at each other and yeah, stuff. At, at E3 is when we're gonna figure out what that is. Yeah, and they'll just be like, Oh, they have silly hats with eyes that talk to you and yeah. Mario's new best friend. Wait till you play it. Yeah. No, like and I'm I actually like like is that something that people always talk about? Like, do you want to go into things like knowing everything or do you want to go in compl- like kind of blind? And especially with Nintendo games where like so much of it is like the wonder of discovering these like worlds oh, and yeah. mechanics. Like like I definitely kind of would prefer to just go blind on it. because um, like Mario games they usually add like one new like suit or mechanic that like kind of changes things, whether it was um, the raccoon suit in 3D for Super Mario 3D Land, the the cat suit in 3D uh, World, um, like you have the um, the water gun and the flood, sunshine. yeah, the flood and sunshine, um, yeah, like you're like they're largely going to do one new thing, and I would rather not have that like completely exposed and like yeah, like all of the mechanics of it like being given before the game's even out. Like I want to like discover it and do things that way. Um, but I, I do feel like this isn't just a Japanese phenomenon because um, you, you see examples of uh, like the last guardian, like they showed clearly way too early for sure. Um, and like KG Inafune is usually really uh, open about what he's working on. And uh, like Hideo Kojima, like mm-hmm. Death Stranding here showed a year ago. And, yeah. and we're not going to see that game probably for another three or four years. Yeah, I think Kojima is is one of the biggest sort of uh, uh, arguments against that the, the this topic in, in that like the guy will just continue to show off like these games early early in their development. Yeah, uh, I remember seeing like Metal Gear Solid Five, you know that that first that first trailer or two, and it's like, oh, when's mm-hmm. this going to come out? Uh, eventually, but Ground Zeroes yeah. might come out before then. <laughs> Ground Zeroes, uh, yeah, like that's yeah. I, I feel like we aren't as tied into the uh, um, the Japanese gaming community like we are the Western one. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm sure that there are like a lot of little things, and um, but they're released like in Japanese, so like we don't quite follow them the same way as like, like a larger media. Yeah, and I think one thing I, I need to recognize too is that like I can't read Japanese. I'm not exposed to yeah. Japanese magazines and websites and things like that. Yeah, you, you're not reading Famitsu every week. Right. Or every uh, month, whenever those come out. Yeah. Um, That's a big yeah. part of it, too. And I, I feel like the Japanese gaming market, like, in terms of, like, developers and how many developers they have is a lot smaller um, compared to, like, just the, like, uh, rampant, like, saturation of, like, independent game developers over here. Um, right. So, like, that, that kind of inflates, like, just the general numbers of, like, how many people are showing things and um, but I, I feel like, or yeah, like Final Fantasy, uh, Final Fantasy 13 had these like super ambitious project of like three different games that are going to like come out over the course of, you know, however many years. And like, we saw Final Fantasy 15 in like 2006. Yeah. Like when it was, uh, versus 13. And like, I remember like that, that trailer super early and it was like, super crazy and dark and weird, and, like, that game changed so much from what it was shown to be, um, other than, like, Noct is pretty much looks the same. Right. Um, 
but... so I, I guess this is definitely a Nintendo thing. Um, yeah. And I, as I think back, I do remember when they first like announced Twilight Princess and what I think it was like oh three. Yeah. Um, and I think I, I remember being in like middle school at the time, and that being like a a really exciting prospect, really exciting oh, thing. Yeah, me too. I was in sixth grade, and then three years later it came out, and I was in ninth grade and got my Wii, and it was like, it, it was almost like playing a game that like I knew about at a different point in my life, even though it wasn't that long yeah. later. It, it definitely felt like there was a there was a paradigm shift because there kind of was between the mm-hmm. two. Uh, but man, was I hung up on getting that Zelda game as soon as possible, and it just like yeah. didn't come out until it came out. Exactly, like th- that was like the real example for me. Like growing up, it was like, like when will this fucking game come out? Like I, because it was five years or so from Wind Waker. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Wind Waker was like oh two. So I guess that was like four years, but still, like, like hot off Wind Waker, they started showing Twilight Princess, and then it took another three or four years for it to come out. And I think the one of the exciting parts of that game was that it was while Wind Waker was like beautiful, you know, it 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 was sort of the like the next Zelda when it came to like that more like uh, not cel shaded art style, I guess. And so, like, when you first see Link's face, I think I was just yeah. like, over the moon excited. Like, it was the first, like, it wasn't HD, but it was the first one where, like, oh, this is what HD Zelda's going to look like. Yeah. Because I, I guess, actually, we still haven't had that. But, but, like, Breath of the Wild's going to be the first HD Zelda game. And it looks like Twilight Princess in some ways. At least more yeah, so like, than it does, like, Wind Waker. Yeah, it, it looks very uh, Skyward Sword to me in a way yeah. that I really like. Because I actually really like Skyward Sword, even though, like, all the... Be- uh, complaints about like backtracking are totally valid and those drove me fucking crazy um like there, there are things about that game that i just absolutely hate but i still really really enjoy Squ- uh skyward sword like if they find a way to make that playable on switch um i would buy that again probably. i was st- I, yeah i agree <laughs> i was staring at the zelda zelda games yesterday at target like so close to buying like wind waker or twilight princess on the wii u yeah and i just like I'm holding out because I really hope that they come out on Switch. Me too. Um, yeah, especially if they have an effort to bring Wii U games to Switch, which I feel like they really need to do because there's a lot of really good games on Wii U, but that they just didn't have the audience to actually play them. Um, and then it would make sense that they put as much Zelda on the Switch as they can. Yeah. Um, but try to, I had another example of a Japanese developer that I just totally escaped me, but... Um, yeah, it's definitely a Nintendo thing. They like to, you know, not show their cards, and they like to create excitement, and, like, that will just lead directly into the release instead of, like, trying to maintain that excitement over the course of, like, a year or two. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, like, I think something that they did really well with the Wii U was that they showed a tech demo for uh, for Zelda. Because like, that was our first look at uh, NHG Zelda, like, where, like, Link's going into that, like, big temple and fights uh, Goma, the big spider. Yeah. Like, With the bow, and, right? Yeah, and it's like, holy shit, like, this is what NHG Zelda's gonna look like. And it's crazy to think, since then, we still don't have an HD Zelda. Gosh. Um, yeah, or, like, that clearly wasn't what they had in mind for what that HD Zelda game would be like, but that was just, like, yeah, this is what it's gonna look like. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, like, that would be... Like, I still actually really want that, like, quasi-realistic 
looking HD Zelda game. That would be amazing. Yeah. And so I think my coming out of this as 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 I was thinking about uh, before putting it in the dock, like it's not a bad thing that Nintendo does this. You know, it's it's great to know that when when they're showing a game at this point, it's pretty much because that game is coming out um, yeah. that, within the year. And so that's that's an exciting prospect of it. But like yeah. instead of thinking about it as like how to deal with delays, it's almost like how to deal with Nintendo not saying anything for like basically yeah. a year. Yeah, well, while you're like tr- trying to invest in a brand new piece of hardware that's you know like a, a series of expenses yeah like like all right like you need to show me what's going to get me to invest in this and i feel like i feel like they knew that like their launch supply for like how however large it is was probably going to sell out and i think they're banking on e3 as like being what's really going to push like to get most people in like they're going to get the hardcore fans day one mm-hmm. and like it's gonna like it's it's already sold out. It sold out in like hours. So, you know that that was a bet that seems to have paid off for them. But uh, yeah, I, I think E three is gonna be where they like really show shit. Where it's like, all right, like people who didn't get it day one who aren't the diehards, like this is what you're gonna want to switch. And like they're gonna show more Mario. I feel like they're gonna have uh, like either. I, I feel like like they need to show another like traditional Nintendo IP in a new. Uh, yeah. in a new game. Like, I feel like that should be coming. Um, something I really want to talk about with Rhodes here is like retro, their last game was Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like three years ago. Like retro should be ready to make something. Right. And I would bet that it's not another Donkey Kong game. <sighs> like, like I would probably put money down on that because while it's the, like a super Nintendo thing to do, I feel like, this like change of guard and like Nintendo's higher ups um, realizes that they need to put their talent at work on like new and like innovative things. Like as, as much as I love the Donkey Kong country series, which it might be like my favorite game series of all time. Uh, like retro is too talented to be making those games. Like they really need to be like pushing technologically, like what they can do with their hardware, like they did with Metroid prime. I didn't realize they made Metroid Prime. Yeah, yeah. There, there should really be... I want to see what else that studio can do after hearing that. Yeah, like, it's a lot of former uh, Rare developers. Like, once Microsoft bought Rare, a lot of the talent formed their own studio and kept working with Nintendo under gotcha. Retro. Gotcha. And, the fir- yeah, the first thing that they were tasked with was Metroid Prime. And then they made the three Metroid Prime games and then the two Donkey Kong Country Returns games. Or the, the new Donkey Kong Country games. Um, and those games are quite exceptional, but they really need to be pushing the envelope more. Like, those are very, very high-quality versions of, like, an older type of game. Yeah. And I feel like they really need to, like, be more innovative. Like, be allowed to be more innovative. Right. So, like, I feel like we're going to figure out what they're doing. Uh, They have a lot of studios that are doing stuff, and, like, uh, and I guess this kind of segues into my topic, where uh, Nintendo just had their... Fire Emblem Direct, where they announced four new Fire Emblem games. Uh, Fire Emblem Heroes for the mobile devices, uh, Android and iOS. Um, the, that comes out on the 2nd of February, so like a week from now. On Android first, right? I think so, yes. Uh, which is, like a lot of people pointed out, that's kind of odd, but makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because Android doesn't have Super Mario Run yet. Yeah, that is really odd. That's yeah. coming out in March, right? Yeah. Um, 
So Fire Emblem Echoes, which is a brand new 3DS Fire Emblem game that's a remake of the formerly exclusive to Japan Fire Emblem 2. Which, uh, like, yeah, like, I love that people have been complaining that Nintendo needs to remake uh, Mother 3, which is a Japanese exclusive, and they're like, we'll do you one better. We'll do Fire Emblem 2, a game that nobody was asking for. Yeah. Um, but I, I get that Fire Emblem is like a huge um, audience for them now. But I mean, yeah, if if this is like a uh, the beginning of a trend of anything, like if if we're going to see more of these directs focused on like single series where they just announce like four games, I'm totally game for that. Yeah, but totally in. Um, so, yeah, the, the other games are uh, Fire Emblem Warriors, which they announced at the press conference that where they revealed the switch uh, is coming out on 3DS as well. They announced and uh, there's going to be a brand new uh dedicated Fire Emblem game for the Nintendo Switch that comes out uh, in 2018. Yeah. Which, um, yeah, like, I... I know that the Fire Emblem fan base is very devoted, and they're very passionate. I just don't know how big it is. Um, Clearly, it's big enough that they're dedicating four studios to making... And I'm sure Fire Emblem Warriors is more... uh, uh, was it Team Omega that makes those games? Uh, but still, they're developing a lot of resources into one franchise where, you know, everyone's been bitching about a new Metroid game forever. They have, uh, I guess they did just release a Star Fox game, but just everyone forgot about it. And they yeah, all, yeah. and they just released a Metroid game, but everyone forgot about it with a Federation Force. Right, yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> Metroid, which is, man. Which is not a Metroid game. Like, it's, yeah, you're in... It's a four-player co-op game where you're in suits that kind of look like Samus's. It's like, okay, thanks. Yeah. Nobody wanted that game. Didn't we, like, describe that as, like, a a development document that they just, like, slapped a brand on? Yeah, like, it reminds me of a really bad Star Wars Republic Commando. But, like, Republic Commando was a very good game where uh, it was, like, I think a GameCube, like, Xbox, PS2 era Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like a four-player, like squad-based co-op game, where yeah. you were like four different uh, Republic commandos that had like different abilities. Like one was the medic, one was the tech expert, one was the tank, and one was like the assault right. guy. And like, and like, just everyone picked a character, and you had to play to your classes really well. It was really well designed, and it like, yeah, it, it complemented itself with the Star Wars lore very well. But um, yeah, like, I feel like Nintendo needs to really like. Bone, like my, my my big problem with this is that like I want to see them putting effort, like spreading the effort more across different series because I feel like strategy is a very hard audience to win over. Mm-hmm. Like you're like I feel like they're just playing to their audience with this, and like I don't know how this is going to really like expand their, uh, like their base. Right. Like I feel like the people that love Fire Emblem are going to get all these games. But Nintendo's now at the point where they need to play offense and like getting people on on board with the Switch, and I don't know if this is it. Um, like Fire Emblem Heroes is free to play, so like I'll definitely like download and play that. I'm not going to buy Echoes because I don't like I, I'm I'm very bad at strategy games. Like I'm I'm the person who's like, yeah, this isn't for me because like I I've bought both of the last Fire Emblem games. Fates about, and Awakening? Yeah, I bought one of the Fates games. Um, and then 
Awakening, and I was very bad at both of them. Um, right. Even even with like the easier settings on, uh, I'm just not good at those games. And uh, like I buy Pikmin, which I'm not good at, and I bought so many of the Advance Wars games, which again I'm like not good at. But they're so good. Yeah, I don't know why I keep buying Nintendo strategy games because I I'm just very bad at those. Like that's why I like SteamWorld Heist is that it's a strategy game that has like a different set of like skills that are required to win. Right. Um, like I, I think it's like the tile grid based, like aerial view, like chess, like planning of moves that I'm not good at. Yeah. With, with advanced wars and, and fire emblem awakening to a lesser extent, well, actually to the same sort of situation. Um, I do well in the game while it's still introducing mechanics to me. And then mm-hmm. once it sort of gets to that point in the story where it, where it transitions and it's like, okay, you know, everything you need to know, we're going to just like, mix up the formula on you um, here and there throughout the rest of the game. That's when it gets so difficult for me and I can't beat it. And it's, yeah, it's you can so get like hard. A third, yeah, like a third of the way into it. And then whenever it's like, all right, now we're just going to start throwing shit at you. It's like, like difficulty wise, like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Like, and yeah, like, like half an hour into a level and then you die and you're like, okay, oh, another half an hour I have to put into that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, and again, like I understand that a lot of this is why people really like it. Um, yeah. But yeah, like the permadeath mechanic, which I know is optional, but like, yeah, like, there are so many things that like about Fire Emblem that I really love. Like, I love the aesthetic. I love this like feudal Japan kind of air that they're like telling stories in, and um, they're really pretty. And like, they're really pretty. Yeah, it's very well made, but just like me- mechanically, like it's just something that doesn't quite click in my head the way that it does for everyone else. Like. Like, I, I totally see why everyone appreciates these games, but just, like, the um, the gameplay loop is just something that I struggle with. And, like, I really want to be into these Fire Emblem games, but it's just not doing it for me. Have they released a non-strategy Fire Emblems game, or is that really going to be what, what Warriors is? The, the, the Warriors is going to be that first one. Yeah, they're, they're all the grid-based strategy. Um, I'm pretty sure the GameCube one was. I yeah. know what the Wii one was. Oh, that's right. I forgot they had one on Wii. Radiant um, Dawn. Yeah. Um, yeah, just, I, I, just, that genre of game just isn't my thing. And it kind of sucks. Like, I wish I could be more into Fire Emblem, because that seems to be where Nintendo's putting a lot of their uh, attention. Yeah. So, like, I, I, like I'm, I'm usually one that will buy like most first-party Nintendo games, and if this is a big part of their focus, that's going to be a lot that I miss out on. And, um, yeah, like there's, you know, like chances are there's going to be a small share of those games to go around as it is, and so for me to miss a chunk of those because I'm just bad at strategy games uh, has me a little bit worried. I, I do feel like third-party sports can be better. Like they've already got a good amount of indie support. Um, Spining of Isaac, Afterbirth Plus is going to be a launch title. Yeah. Um, Nicholas, that uh, production company, announced that 1001 Spikes and Cave Story are coming to the Wii U. Or Switch. Fuck, not Wii U. Um, Both are great. Yeah. Like, I, I really feel like this is going to get a lot more support. Um, uh, what is it? Like Stardew Valley is coming, and I think that's going to be where I finally play Stardew Valley. I was thinking that, too. That's, that's definitely for me as well. Yeah, like, I... I haven't gotten it yet. Like I totally see the appeal, but like I want, like I want that like the version of it that I can play on the go. Yeah. And so like the fact that it's coming to Switch is like perfect for me. 
Um, I'm just not one who likes sitting at my desk to play games very often. Mm-hmm. I've been doing it this week, which we'll get to later, but um, yeah, like I like to play things. Uh, like I, I love playing the Wii U with just like the game right in front of me. Like I think that that actually might be how I prefer to play games, like on a handheld. Yeah, definitely. Because um, yeah, and I've been playing my 3DS this week too, which again we'll get to. Um, yeah, so like the and like a topic that we haven't thrown on there, but like I feel like a um, like Nintendo Switch has had a few like indies like confirmed for it lately. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Ukulele is apparently coming. Uh, same day as all the other platforms it's coming to. So day one, Ukulele will be on Switch, which is, again, like where I want to play that. Like, it's right at home with Nintendo. Yeah. Um, so I'm very excited to play that. Like, that's just going to be where I play that game now. Um, Oceanhorn, which was an iOS game that's very, like, Wind Waker-esque. Uh-huh. Uh, like, that got a, like, full platform release. I think it came to Wii U, and I think it's on Steam now. Um but it's, it's super Wind Waker-esque, and, like, it's been confirmed um, for Switch now. And so it's, like, oh, like, a very good knockoff Zelda game that I can play oh, yeah. on, on my Nintendo device. Like, perfect. Like, I've, I've been putting that game off for, like, a couple years now, and, like, it's finally coming to the place where I could really play it. Like, I almost came close a couple times to getting it on iOS, but it's got the, like, digital joystick and... Uh, oh, it's a beautiful game, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's gorgeous, but... uh I just haven't had what I felt was, like, the right platform to play it on. So, like, now that's coming to Switch. Um, I watched uh, a video of, like, the Nintendo Treehouse playing ARMS. And, like, watching them play it, like, that game actually looks pretty cool. Like, hopefully there's more to what they showed. Uh, Because, like, right now it's, like, a vertical slice that looks very great. But I feel in, like, the last couple years we've got a a lot of games that had a great vertical slice. But... um, but, like, that was it. That was the game. Like, No Man's Sky. It's like, oh, yeah, like, this vertical slice they keep showing is really cool. Like, I wonder what else is in it. It's like, oh, that's it. Right. Um, there was another game where it was like that, um, that I'm totally blanking on. Uh, but, it, yeah, like... It arms reminds me a lot of, like, Pokken right now. Like, it, it, kind of, it, yeah. it's just like a fighting game. Yeah, like, it, it's pretty simplistic. Um, but, like, each character has, like, three different, like, quote-unquote arms that they can use, like, that yeah. have different abilities. Like, um, like you can have, like, a boomerang arm, which, like, kind of swings around. Like, they're talking about the strategy of, like, oh, yeah, you want to throw this boomerang arm to, like, get them to, like, move into the punch you're throwing with your other side. And, like, they're talking about, like, all the different strategy and, like, the way that, like, like there's, like, different levels that, like, will either have, like, trampolines on the edges or the, they'll have, like, a, uh, like, destructible environments where, like, it reveals a new... Um, like, a new aspect to the level, and, like, the way that, like, like, if they could, like, follow through on the depth of that, like, that might actually be something that's really interesting. Yeah. Um, and there were a bunch of other games, like, it seems like indie support is going to be big on it, and hopefully in the same way that it was on the Vita. Definitely. Like, because, like, if this just kind of becomes, like, a Vita replacement, I'm totally fine with that. Mm-hmm. Especially when you consider that it's... I don't think it's... The Vita launched at, like, 300, right? It launched pretty high, yeah. Yeah, like, so considering this was, like, the price of a Vita at launch, and then it, it's Nintendo, and it's also, like, a, a console, like, I'm really excited for 
still want a Vita, but I just don't want to pay for everything to, to have a full Vita experience. Yeah, no, which which is totally fair. Um, but yeah, like the the more that I am looking into like what's coming out on Switch, the more I'm like really excited for it. Like, yeah, like I didn't play I Am Setsuna, so like that's gonna be where I play that. Um, I forget what else is coming out now. Uh, but yeah, I got I'm excited for it. Like, I'm 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 at the point where it's like for like what I know that is coming out in the first year, I'm totally fine with that. Like. Like looking at what else is coming out, because um, like Horizon Zero Dawn comes out right before the Switch and and right before Zelda, so it's like, my God, yeah, um, I am like sadly going to have to wait on Horizon Zero Dawn then, because right. like, um, yeah, like that's like the big PlayStation exclusive I'm excited for, but it comes out right when the Switch and Zelda comes out. So it's like, well, that sucks. Sorry, my, Sony. My roommate with his PS4 is moving out. Uh, today huh. actually and so i'm gonna have to figure out what to do about that <laughs> <laughs> yeah when it comes like, to a ps4 um yeah there, there's a few good exclusives coming out now um yeah. like hopefully that they can come out in a period of time to where like it like justifies like the, the first party games because like we've had a few good first party ps4 games but like kind of like the, like the wii u like they just come so far apart that it's like it doesn't really matter that much. Right. Because, um, like, on the PS3, it was, like, every few months, like, both Microsoft and Sony, they had their exclusives, and now that's not the case. But if this year, um, if Horizon Zero Dawn, God of War, if Days Gone is any good, like, they could have, like, a run of, like, first-party games that are, like, well, shit, like, you kind of needed to be on PS4 this year, to an extent. Because, yeah. um, like, I... I still don't have that game with my Xbox One. Like, started off strong. Like, I really like Titanfall um, when that came out. Uh, Sunset Overdrive was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, and you had, like, Rare Replay, and those are the only three things. Like, I, I didn't really... I wasn't really that into the new Halos. They were fine. Right. Um, the Master Chief Collection was broken as fuck when that came out. Like, did they ever actually fix it? I don't think it's fixed, but I mean, I really only bought it for the campaigns. <laughs> yeah, like I, I got like three quarters of the way through Halo One, and I'm like, "Gosh, this doesn't hold up." Oh, the library. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Gosh, this is not that fun." Um, and I might need to try going back and doing like Halo Three. Like for for whatever reason, Halo Three is the Halo game that I probably have the most fun memories of. Um, At the least. But I replayed it, like, four years ago, five years ago. Like, I played through all of them in anticipation for four, and I had a lot of fun with all of them. Yeah, like, I I think it's just because, like, that was the first one on Xbox 360. And, like, the graphics were so good, and, like, a a lot of it was situational. Like, I was playing co-op with a friend that I hadn't seen in forever. Like, I uh, drove up to Linwood from Kelso to go, like hang out with him for a weekend and we just powered through Halo That's 3. That's cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Um, so yeah, I feel like a lot of it might be situational, but um, yeah, Gears of War doesn't really do it for me. Um, Recore was a disappointment. Qu- Quantum Break was whatever. Um, and th- there are a few games that I'm excited about now on Xbox, but like, like outside of Cuphead, there's nothing that I'm like, I need to play that. And then uh, I think Cuphead's still coming to PC, so I could just play it on PC. Yeah, it'll be a, definitely a play anywhere. 
yeah. that'll make it. That's cool. I mean, I think that that's a step in the right direction um, for Xbox, just being able to have that those yeah. games available elsewhere. Oh, uh, and uh, hashtag IDARB was fantastic. Oh, I love that game. Yeah, that game's amazing. But like, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. If that were on PlayStation, I would probably still play it. Um, just like that's where my friends play games. Mm-hmm. So, oh, excuse me. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Like, I, I really wish that I felt more attachment to either device. Like, I play my PS4 way more than my Xbox, but I still don't feel very attached to it. And I, and like, I kind of get that feeling with Switch, but. Who knows? I've been let down before. I uh, I did see Phil Spencer tweet that this year's E3 will not be led with Gears of War or Halo, which is <laughs> exciting. But that might also mean it's Crackdown is their like game of like E3, and that I don't know how excited I am for Crackdown, but maybe we'll get yeah. something something new and exclusive. That pirate game looked kind of cool. Yeah, Sea of Thieves. I'm yeah. excited about that. Um, it's it's one of those things where it's like. Yeah, it's rare, but it's this, like, hollow shell of what rare used to be. Yeah. Because, like, because, <laughs> like, a lot of rare, uh, like, a lot of rare and retro kind of left to make you, uh, ukulele. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, like, kind of hard to really kind of judge where that's going to lie. Like, it, you can't just, like, put, like, oh, yeah, rare's making that. Um, but it's, like, a, like a family-friendly MMO. That's weird. It seems. It seems like like I, I don't know if it necessarily is like a family friendly thing, but it is an MMO where like you're just pirates like going around the sea and, um, yeah, it's 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 weird. I, I don't know. It, it's not something that like is like that doesn't seem like anyways that you need to get an Xbox One for. Right. Like it seems really cool for people that already have one, but yeah, I don't know. I I, I really want that to be cool, especially because. It's it's rare, and they haven't really done something exceptional in a while since Viva Pinata, <laughs> which is like yeah, like Viva Pinata was their last great game. Which uh, if my roommate's hearing and he gets any idea that I'm shit talking Viva Pinata, uh, like uh, I'll have hell to pay. But it's <laughs> but it's Viva Pinata. It's not Banjo Kazooie or Goldeneye or Perfect Dark or any of the games that like made them a legendary studio in the 90s. It's a game that just, like, a lot of random people that I know have a ridiculous amount of fondness over. Yeah, it's really pretty and it's really fun, and, like, it came out in an era where, like, I would argue probably more so than now, like, where it's just, like, such, like, machismo in games where it's like, oh, yeah, I gotta get all the the shoot 'em up games, and, like, and everything, everything was... Pinata. Yeah, and then everything was about, like, all these, like, super realistic background or uh, graphics and all of the games had that like sepia like color palette and then this game came out and it was like super cute and pretty on xbox 360 and it's a lot of fun but it's not like donkey kong country or uh even like jet force gemini which is a game i actually really loved oh my gosh i uh, yeah me too yeah uh, do we want to jump into what you've played and then i will just talk about dark souls because that's pretty much yeah what i played yeah, so I played uh, 2064, uh, Read Only Memories. It's the update to the first person or the point and click adventure series that, or point and click adventure game that got released in 2015. That was a Kickstarter game. Um, mm-hmm. 
it adds a bit of content, like in terms of like uh, like things to do in the game. Um, but the the main overhaul is that they added voice acting to all the characters, which makes the game so much better. Uh, the characters are a lot more vivid and they kind of pop a bit more. Like, and especially like with your main companion, like a lot of like the nuance and his dialogue like really shines in the performance and makes him like a, like a really cute, like mascot character where before it's like, Oh, that's an interesting character. Like with the voice that like takes it to a whole nother level. Um, cool. Yeah. It's a really fun, like cyberpunk near future point and click adventure game that is, was made as a like gender sexuality inclusive game. Great. Um, it was kickstarted by, um, people who work with GamerX, which is a LGBT, uh, LGBT gaming community. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it was designed as like a an inclusive game for people of different genders and sexual orientations. And um, and I, I feel bad defining it that way because that does it a total disservice as just a fantastic video game with like a really interesting story about like the ethics of um, like technical technological enhancements and um, like tampering with genetics. Uh, it's really interesting. It's not dystopian in the way that a lot of cyberpunk is. It's actually kind of hopeful and optimistic, which is really refreshing. Cool. Um, and it's set in like a near future, um, Neo San Francisco. Right. That's what it's called. And it's, yeah, it's just a game with really interesting characters and it's a bit linear and simple in terms of like progression. Like you're not going to be like scouring through environments like, Oh, how does this puzzle work? It's pretty straightforward, but, um, the characters in the story are engaging enough to, for me to recommend it to just about anybody to play. It's a lot of fun. Feels very like eighties anime. Yeah. Oh yeah, totally. Like it, if Akira were nice and everyone liked each other. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it's definitely heavily inspired off of like eighties cyberpunk anime. Um, but it's, yeah, it's very kind of lighthearted and sweet and sincere. And it's a lot of fun. That's cool. Um, and in anticipation for, my Switch, I've been going back and playing a lot of old um, Nintendo games, and I just powered through all of Super Mario 3D Land in, like, a night. Oh my gosh, that's that's also a very good one. It's a very good game that, like, starts off, like, very simple, like, and I was like, gosh, this game is so easy, and then you get to, like, the later levels, like, okay, there, there it is. Um, and, yeah, Mario's just designed in such a really smart way, where it's like, anybody can finish the level, but, like, the challenge comes in, like, hiding... Um, or finding, like, all the collectibles that are hidden throughout the levels. Um, yeah. Because each level has the three uh, star coins that you have to find. And, like, the way that they hide those is really clever and challenging and, like, never in a way where it's, like, you're kind of, like, pulling your hair out, like, with a Donkey Kong Country. Right. But, um, yeah, like, the de- design in that is impeccable. And I need to find my copy of Super 3D World because that's what I really want to play now. And that game was phenomenal. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I went back. I've been playing that, and it's really interesting uh, going back and seeing how they first used the 3D mechanic on the 3DS. Because mm-hmm. um, now it's an afterthought. Um, like Pokemon Sun and Moon had like almost no 3D effects in it. Um, but yeah, like the way that they like really sought to use 3D as like the way that we use VR now, or like where we're like, oh yeah, we're trying to create these like more immersive experiences and like kind of create a new way of playing a game that has, like, since been abandoned um, 
and also the 3D effect isn't nearly as polished as it is now uh, in Nintendo games. Right. Uh, yeah, I remember being those. They're like those levels, the secret areas where you have to turn on the 3D to actually navigate the room. Yeah, uh, like, or like yeah, they create like a perspective puzzle in terms of like, like it looks like it's just like a pile of blocks that like kind of build up into the corner, but some of them will be like suspended in the air and just like they're hanging in a way that like the perspective makes it seem like it's all like one cohesive thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, and like it, it plays with a lot of those things very well, and like it's. It's a whole lot of fun. Like it's a bit simple in terms of uh, Mario games. Like when they're talking about Super Mario Odyssey, they talked about going back to a more difficult era of Mario, uh, Mario, where they said like, yeah, like with the new Super Mario Brothers games and like the 3D games, like they were very easy. And I was like, I don't remember that being the case. And then I picked it up, and I was like, oh yeah, this game is actually incredibly easy. So that makes me really excited for what Odyssey is going to be like. Where apparently it's going to be a little bit. I don't think necessarily difficult, but just a bit more uh, a bit more trying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I th- and, and, like, <clears throat> I, th- I think to myself, like, well, um, I do agree that 3D Land, like, really wasn't that hard to get through, and that, I think, maybe sort of um, that that maybe it... I don't know. It, it wasn't that hard to get through the first time around, and then I found all the collectibles, and that was more difficult. And I was like, I kind of think, like, I think I kind of want a hard Mario game. And then yeah. Mario Maker came out, and it, yeah. and you see like the ridiculous <laughs> example of, of like how hard Mario can be. And I'm like, I don't want that either. Yeah, no, like they used to do that every once in a while. Like they threw in this like couple of levels, like at the end of Mario games, where it's like, oh shit, this is yeah. tough. Um, and what? Yeah, like adding the collectibles is a really good way of finding that balance. I feel is where it's like yeah, we're going to hide these collectibles for people who really want a challenging Mario experience and, like, who feel like they need some kind of completionist aspect to Mario. Yeah. Um, which is totally me. Like, I, I will go and I'll find all of those. Like, uh, on Super Mario Run, which I've still been playing, actually, um, like, I wouldn't progress to the next level unless I got the highest score out of all my friends and I got all of the uh, the color coins. And so, like, I right. I haven't checked to see if anybody's beaten any of my uh, scores lately on Super Mario <laughs> Run, but um, when I finished, I had all of the levels, I had all the coins, and I had the highest score between my friends. Um, and that's what was important. Right. Is me being better than my friends. Exactly. Um, yeah, Super Mario Run's so good. Like, I've been playing the rally mode still every once in a while. Um, if it weren't such a data hog, then I would... Like, if it weren't online always, like, I would play it so much more, but, yeah, I'm, I'm still a bit salty about that. Um, yeah, so that's what I've been playing. So, I've been playing Cold Warcraft, and my guild's doing the new raid, it's pretty cool, and a little bit of Kingdom Hearts, but I think I put... Um, and and you, you stream this, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. stream this one because it was, this raid, because it was, like, the, the first time we did it, and, um... So we we beat three three bosses out of like the ten or so, uh, and typically we split we split the night up so that this, that we do we raid twice a week so we do like you know half or so the first time and half the second time uh, we raid that week and then it resets on Tuesday. Uh, okay. But since they're they're so difficult um, and they just came out and we're trying to go in blind and not read any strategies, we'll probably yeah. take a little longer to get through it the first time around and then get it yeah. down. To the so uh, real quick, just blast where you stream this. 
Oh yeah, so I stream on the the, the Facebook page, so um, facebook.com slash fans of the genre. Um, it's typically where I'll stream or at, on our on my Times New Ramen, my, my guild's Facebook page, which um, I'm blanking on, but as I pull up right now, um, it is just at facebook.com slash Times New Ramen GG. Um, so that's where you can find me when I'm streaming. Yeah. Uh, I kind of stay away from Twitch because I know I'm not going to get any, any any views on Twitch. <laughs> yeah. um, and so Facebook's the best place. Um, but if you're interested in seeing how World of Warcraft works and that rating, um, I definitely recommend checking us out. We raid on Thursdays and Sundays at 7pm. Uh, and it's really fun. Yeah. It looks a lot like like gib- like gibberish and garbage on my screen because there's all my buttons are placed everywhere. <laughs> but you know, if someone's watching, I'll, I'll definitely break it down and explain to you what the appeal of like rating is because it's basically like a puzzle with with 10 to 15 other people but speaking of difficult things i've been playing a lot of dark souls yeah uh and so we transition we'll transition into dark souls watch 2017 (laughs) um so sunday night after we recorded i basically went and got the drake sword yeah. Uh, and that is what the the hint you you both gave me where I shot arrows at the, at the the dragon's tail that was on the yeah. bridge. Just like, spammed him. Spammed him like forty times, and then all of a sudden I got a sword, and my it it does a lot of damage with like a normal attack, and then like your your big attack like shoots a pillar of like damage at all of the enemies in front of you, which is kind of cool. But I don't ever really use it because it like destroys my sword. Yeah. Um. But it's made the game a lot easier. Um, I fought the... I think it's called the Titanic Demon or something. Titanite. Titanite Demon. Yeah, he shot he's, a lot. he's awesome. He shot lightning at me, and he was really hard to fight close range, so I just got my bow out and shot arrows until he died. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like, he was one of my favorite bosses in uh, Dark Souls 1. Like, he's like missing his leg, he doesn't have a head. Yeah. And, like, he just kind of crawls around this, like, big rectangular room, and you're just kind of, like, running around, like, with your head on fire. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. it's so much fun. Like, he was, like, he was the first boss where I was, like, I really started to appreciate how good Dark Souls is. Yeah. Um, he's fantastic. And so I, I just couldn't get down the melee with him, and so the, the just, like, you know, cheesing it with my bow and just, like... Yeah, firebombs and... Yeah. I don't actually have any magic. I don't know how to get magic. Uh, so, as, as I was alluding to before we started recording, uh, when I first played Dark Souls, I like immediately was running around. It's like, oh, I wonder what happens if I hit these NPCs with a sword, and it turns out they'll fight you forever until, yeah, sucks. until they die, and then they're gone forever. Yeah. Um, the fat guy in the first area after the mm-hmm. tutorial, um, you can buy some magic from him. Okay, I just talked to him after I got back from the uh, uh, the dark root garden area, yeah. and he gave me something, or he like opened up his opportunities to, to sell stuff to me. So that's cool. Yeah, uh, he should have done that like from the get go. I think I ignored him. Okay, yeah, like <laughs> uh, yeah. So the first time I played Dark Souls, I had yeah, I, I accidentally just killed all the NPCs and. Uh, the uh, I got to a boss that you just beat, that like um, the moonlight butterfly, who flies around and like stamps magic at you that you need to just dodge for like a solid like minute and a half before he comes back down again. Yeah. Um, and I had the hardest time beating him, and like I 
knew that I killed the people that gave me magic and uh, that had given that would give you like arrows. So I had like no ranged attacks. Um, I had no like magic armor. And so like the first time I played Dark Souls, like that's where I like I rage quit. I'm like fuck this. And I found <laughs> out later that uh, the Moonlight Butterfly is totally optional. Oh what? Yeah, it's a, that's the the first optional boss in the game. Um, so yeah, you you didn't need to do that, but <laughs> enjoy the extra souls. Um, yeah, like like I accidentally killed everybody, and like I didn't have a too hard of like I think I, like the first try I killed a guy that gives you magic. And then the first shopkeeper in the undead burg, but uh, the guy that sits next to the bonfire at the very beginning, yeah, that dude's tough. Um, I bet. Yeah, like one of the first things I did was like, I'm gonna poke this guy with the sword, and uh, yeah, like that. Back. <laughs> I had to restart the game. I I believe that because you 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 keep spawning right at the bonfire, and he'd probably yeah, just like right, right you. in front of him, who is like a very very high level uh, character. Um. So. Uh, you just went through the uh, the garden, and I got a. I killed the butcher on accident, <laughs> and he dropped uh, this crest, and the not, crest not the opened butcher, the door. The, the blacksmith. Blacksmith. Yeah, which is important. I, I read that there's another blacksmith later. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 later though. So I hope you enjoy your equipment that you have. Yeah, you're gonna be stuck with it for a while. So. He gave me this crest that like opened a door in the dark root like garden area, and I'm not yeah. sure if that's where I'm supposed to go or if I go somewhere else. Yeah, I, I totally forget. I played the first like I'll look it up. Like up until there, um, I played that a lot, but like I would keep rage quitting, and I, I've only through in one playthrough I've gotten past that. So like that air, like beyond that is a bit hazier for me. Yeah. Um, but now I'm actually kind of tempted to pick Dark Souls back up as I'm like in this middle ground between like the holidays and March when like games start coming out again. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking about picking Dark Souls back up. So I, I might also be on Dark Souls Watch 2017. And so and I killed the Moonlight Butterfly. Um, I actually got very comfortable with its pattern pretty quickly. I probably fought it like 15 times though. Yeah. Um, because the, the spears, like the magic spears that it would shoot out would still kind of get me at random times. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, the game doesn't feel cheap. Like everything yeah. feels fair and it's, it keeps getting me to come back. So that's exciting. Yeah, no, it's, it's such a good series. Like it, it's so well designed that like nothing ever really feels like it's unfair. Like it's just challenging you to like learn the mechanics and like understand like the patterns and, uh, and a lot of it is, like, and I am very bad at, like, specializing my equipment towards, like, individual, like, bosses or whatever. Like, I like to, like, make a build and kind of be uncompromising in it. That's what I'm doing. Um, yeah, but, um, and, like, just being a dex build is, is usually how I play the games. And uh, it's a little less conducive to, like, like mixing and matching. Um, just because most weapons are going to be, like... Um, like strength based instead of dexterity based. Yeah. Um, or if you're a magic user, then you can just really um, pick and choose that way uh, with very little cost. So, like, I. Yeah, a, a big part of it is like how I played the game. Um, and in Dark Souls 3, like, I would just use uh, the different items that cha I changed my sword to like doing like lightning damage or whatever. Like, I would just kind of buff the weapons I had in that way. Um, like, I used. 
a sharp weapon, which is, uh, which that, that character, uh, classification of weapon is better for dex build. Like it increases the dexterity damage done, mm-hmm. but, but there are like different like ways that you can craft weapons that like, Oh, like they're imbued with firepower or with lightning or they're like, yeah, like there's different ways that you can craft weapons and specialize them to be better suited for different enemies. And like, right. The way that, like, you would typically kind of play Dark Souls is, like, you either keep, like, different weapons on hand, um, or at least, like, have, like, an arsenal, like, stowed away so you're not, like, uh, affecting your weight. Because, like, that plays a big part of the game. It's, like, uh, even if you're below your uh, threshold for how much you can totally carry, there's still a an unspecified threshold to where, like, your dodges are slower. Yeah. Um, I think it's 75% of your total carrying capacity, something like that. Um, where, like, you need to be under so you can, like, dodge the most effectively. So, like, there's so many different, like, little mechanics in there that make the game so great. And part of the way that I play them is, um, like, going up against that a bit. But it's it's just a, such a good game. Like, like no matter how you want to play it, um, in terms of, like, whether you're going to be, like, a big beefy guy or a magic user or a healer, um, like there's ways to play it. And yeah, it, it's, it's so good. Like I, yeah. I, I love the souls games. Like I actually just convinced my brother. He was like, uh, he's asking me for an indie RPG, something along the lines of final fantasy or dark age or dragon age. Yeah. And I was like, okay, you're not going to find too many indie things there. And I was like, uh, how do you like masochistic games? And I was like, I got him to pick up Bloodborne for like 15 bucks. And so he's going to play Bloodborne without having any experience and want like something similar to Dragon Age or Final Fantasy. And I'm like, and I told him what it was. I wasn't misleading. I was like, this game's really hard and it's going to kick the shit out of you. And he's like, <laughs> no, for like 15 bucks, like I can, I can put that down for an experience that I might hate. And I was like, yeah, you're either going to hate it or you're going to love it. Like, I don't know too many people who are just like, yeah, Dark Souls is okay. Right. Like it's, Yeah. It's either your thing or it's like very actively not your thing. Yeah, but yeah, Shall but we... for us it is our thing. So it's getting to be mine, and that's something I didn't expect to say. But yeah, uh, should we jump into hot takes? Yeah, um, my hot take is that knees need to not be a thing anymore. It's been over a decade since we've been first introduced to them, and with the Wii Sports and all of those Wii games that, like, made use of them kind of made sense. Um, and they're still around for, like, Smash Bros. and Mario Kart, but where that was, like, the identity of your, like, online persona, with them actually trying to, like, even though it's, like, very weird with, like, oh, yeah, you're going to connect to your smartphone to play online, which I don't have as much of a problem with it as a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, I think that actually takes a whole lot of burden of, like, trying to, like, figure out how the system works, like, it, it, in the UI. and Like, on PlayStation, it gets a little bit cumbersome. Yeah. With that. Um, I think but, we're out of this awkward era where, like, you, the, these companies feel like you need an online avatar to represent yourself. Yeah. So, I... It, the Miis need to go. I agree. Like, yeah, it, it, with Mitomo, um, I don't know if they're still pushing that whatsoever, but... Um, like, with that just coming out within the past year or so, like, I'm a little hesitant that to, like, say that they're going to just ditch it, but um, they, they need to go. 
They do. The Mies, the Mies had their run. They were fun. But, uh, yeah, it's time to move on. And my hot take, in, I'm just, which I'm just going to leave it at, is uh, gummy candy is best candy. Gummy candy is best candy. Um, yeah, thank you for listening to Fans of the Genre. If you like the show, please rate us on iTunes. Uh, it really helps others discover the, the show. It'll boost us up in the iTunes store or whatever uh, platform that you're going to be rating us on. We really appreciate it. Um, but more importantly, tell a friend. Follow us on Twitter, uh, at Fans of Genre. Follow us on Facebook. It's uh, facebook.com slash fans of genre. Um, slash fans of the genre. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to fotg.zone to find us. Uh, you can find us on Twitter. Rhodes is at Rhodes Clark. I am at Mikey Krieger. I'm at Brian T. Swanson. Um, yeah, so feel free to follow us, send us questions, complaints. Uh, you can tell, uh, yeah, so with us this week, actually, let's just create a fun little, uh, making fun of roads at the, uh, end of this anti-roads power hour. Yeah. So send us your least favorite things about roads on Twitter at fans of genre. Um, yeah, it's or, or been fun. Or your favorite things. Yeah, or, or your favorite things, because <laughs> there's nothing wrong about Rhodes. He's a beautiful, perfect human being. He's, he's a good, good boy. Yeah, he's a very good boy. There's coffee aesthetic in his sweater vests. Um, um, all right. Thanks, everyone. Th- we'll be back next week, hopefully all three of us. Um, yeah. If not, it's going to be the anti-Brian power hour. Finally. Finally. It's about time. I've been, been holding back. <laughs> thanks, everyone. Yeah, thanks. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.